It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Sportsmart's mega giant shoe sale. 25% off all full price shoes. Shop online at sportsmart.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell from wherever you're listening around the country. Here in Melbourne, bit grey, bit overcast, but the forecast is magnificent for Melbourne Cup Week. Last year, coldest Melbourne Cup day since 1995. Prediction, early prediction, it is Melbourne. It might change 30 degrees on Melbourne Cup Day. So, boys, if you're going along, get those shorts down to your knee. Uh, and you can go along uh, and enjoy it. A big show coming up. Uh, David King's going to join us in the first hour. We'll ask him a little bit of footy, but more about a bit of golf. And uh, a bit of a golf day is down at today. Mike Hussey's going to join us. So much to talk about uh, in the world of cricket ahead of this big match between Australia and England tomorrow night. What about India last night? Unbelievable. Thumping. Second biggest win in World Cup history. Bold Sri Lanka out for 55. They are on fire and looking every bit the team to beat uh, at their home World Cup. Campbell Brown will join us, as he always does, on a Friday with all the tips ahead of a big day at Flemington tomorrow. We'll ask him about what he thinks about the Melbourne Cup, given we're not too many days out. And, of course, the big Golden Eagle up in Sydney as well. We'll chat some basketball with Melbourne United assistant coach Reese Carter. They've got the big game against the under-fire Perth Wildcats on Monday night. Bit of a shock loss for the Phoenix last night as well, being thrashed by the Bullets. And uh, Saints fans, get on the line today for your upside and downside ahead of season 2024 after what was a pretty good year for the Saints under Ross Lyon in 2023. We've got some great prizes uh, to give away. So jump on the line. Midnight Madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and Packenham. Workwear for wherever you work. The Werribee Kia open line is ready to go. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year where the customer comes first. And uh, plenty coming through already on the 40 Wings Temper Tech. 0433 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings, serious about sleep. Before we get stuck into some of the more serious topics and some of the, the big events this weekend in sport, just have a little bit of fun. What about some sporting schadenfreude? So there's been a big build-up to Australia versus England. There's been... The Aussies sort of uh, laughing a little bit. Uh, you know, Paddy Cummins, when he was asked in the press conference about England's form at this World Cup, and then Marnus Labuschagne, uh, when he was told about uh, Bazball being put into the Collins uh, Dictionary. And then Joe Root said last night he'd take his team uh, over the Australians uh, any day of the week. So have a bit of fun. We don't want it to be nasty. But which sporting team or sports person do you actually enjoy seeing fail? Growing up, no one will agree with this. No one, because she's very popular and she was a great player. Martina Hingis used to really annoy me. She used to grind my gears with the carry-on on the court, and I quite enjoyed when she got beaten. I remember that final at the Australian Open in the searing heat where Jennifer Capriati came from nowhere to beat him, beat her, Enjoyed it. So have you got a team? There'll be the obvious ones in uh, you know AFL, but whether it's an overseas sporting team, an individual uh, that grinds your gears, let us know. one 736 736 And then we heard from Brodie Grundy, who's had a really interesting time, and he had that big game, of course, Queen's birthday, where he's coming up against Collingwood for the first time. So for Collingwood fans and, and for Brodie, it's, you know, seeing your ex... Uh, for the first time, which at times can be awkward. Now, we've got this situation involving our very own Ange Postacoglu in the Premier League. So Tottenham hosts Chelsea on uh, Tuesday morning, our time, and Chelsea are now 
led by Maurizio Pochettino, who got Spurs all the way to the Champions League final back in 2019. So he returns to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the first time uh, on Tuesday morning with his Chelsea team that's really struggling against uh, high-flying Tottenham. Uh, And naturally, it's been a bit of a storyline in the media in the build-up to the game. Just finally, nobody likes being reunited with their ex, especially when they're with someone that they never liked. But how hopeful are you that the Spurs fan base will take the moral higher ground because they're so in love with you now and not show any hostility or animosity towards Maurizio on Monday? Jeez, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a lot to take in. And, and thankfully, those kind of days are well past me. Um, I think your reference is to Maurizio, yeah? Um, all right, so uh, I'll try and get to that. Um, look, it's undoubted that... Um, he had an unbelievable impact on this football club, you know, as, as all of us, I guess, in our roles, that's, that's our ultimate goal and ambition is that, you know, whatever kind of doors we go through, that we make an impact. And he's, he's had an in, un, undeniable impact on this football club. Um, his time here, I mean, you know, he almost took the club to the ultimate summit of the Champions League, got close to the league. Um, so his work is unquestioned. Everyone I speak to around here, there's still people who worked with him, can't speak highly enough of him as a person, as a, as a manager. So I, I doubt there'd be anything but respect um, you know, f- for Maurizio from anyone at this football club, supporters or, or people associated with it. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to get a guard of honour on Monday night because we want to win, and he, I don't think you would expect that. But he's... His tenure here and his impact here is undeniable and I think will stand the test of time that, you know, whenever people think of Maurizio as, and his time here as a Spurs manager, we'll only look at, upon it with uh, respect and, and fondness. I think you'll get a pretty good reception, to be honest, even though there is absolutely no love lost. If you're not aware of some of the English Premier League rivalries, Tottenham-Arsenal is a massive one, but Tottenham-Chelsea would be centimetres behind. There is no love lost uh, between these two teams. So which sort of X has come back to play your team for the first time? It's been a bit awkward. It's been a bit hard to see them uh, in other colours. And sporting schadenfreude, who do you enjoy? Just having some fun with this. It's not mean-spirited, but who do you just... Get a little bit of satisfaction out of uh, seeing fail. Plenty coming through on the 40 wings. Colden. Temper. <laughs> Thank you, A-Rod. Andy, that was A-Rod, not me. Let's get to Greg in Hillsville. He's got one for us. G'day, Greg. G'day, mate. How you doing? I'm good. How's it? Beautiful Hillsville today. Oh, look, mate. The Yarra Valley is a picture every day of the year, apart from when it's absolutely flogging down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But, uh, it is a beautiful place. It right, is mate? magnificent. Uh, who you got for us there, Greggy? I've got a couple of quickies for you, mate, if, if I may. The first one up, not so much these days, but when he was going around, geez, I loved it. I really, really loved to hate Anthony Mundine. Yeah, yeah. Divi- divided him. opinion, fair to say. Yeah. He just he really sort of shot his glove off, and it was great to see blokes like Danny Green beat him up. And yeah. That was awesome. But my, my second one, mate, and I, every time I see this mug's face on TV, I just get enraged. I just, the eyes roll back like a great white shark. <laughs> that birded Tommy, I mm. can't do that little brat. Yeah. I just want to hold him down and slap him. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, not surprisingly, Greg. It's coming through uh, quite strongly on the uh, 40 Winks temper text, uh, Bernard Tommy. Uh, thanks for your call, Greg, and uh, getting us underway. Let's get to Johnny and Dufton. Hey, John. 
Yeah, good afternoon, Jules. Jules, Port Adelaide, mind mm. my dear. Why? They bang on. They bang on about this prison bar thing. They're not even Port Adelaide anymore. They're Port Tower. They joined the AFL. Collingwood, not a Carlton supporter. I was going to say, you sound like a Collingwood supporter, John. No, 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 I'm a Carlton supporter. Can you believe it? But why the, they're not Port Adelaide. They're Port Tower. Get over it. Move on. And they... they They've tarnished him excess for me forever with that never terrace and part. But they have they tore they tore themselves apart when they applied to join the AFL. <laughs> but John, you barrack for Carlson, right? You said. Yep. Yep. So you don't like Collingwood? I hate the filth. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact is, Port Adelaide talk about the prison bar. That gets under Collingwood's skin. So that is that not a good thing? Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. Right. Gotcha. Now, so, speak, yeah, keep going. Sorry. So, I, I, it's Collingwood, they, look, they do a fantastic job. And I've got to tell you, when any president, I wish he had been a Carlton supporter because he did a magnificent job, I reckon. Mm. And I reckon Collingwood, I, I don't think Collingwood did the right thing by him. So, but I mean, my dad was an Essendon supporter and he died in 1992 days. After Collingwood beat us in the grand final, right? So I blame Collingwood for that as well. Yeah, oh, that's fair enough too. <laughs> that is fair enough. Now, Johnny, speaking of the blue, now this is actually interesting because we're talking about uh, you know X's when it's hard to see an X play against your team or one that you uh, the, the other end of the scale is we've got one here off the Forty Wings tempers from Laura saying Jules when Gary Ablett went back to Geelong was hard for the Suns folk, but we still couldn't hate him. There is some that you can't hate, even though they've gone to the opposition, but. Uh, Aratio Fantasia. Now, as Essendon fans, we could accept him playing for Port Adelaide. You know, from from uh, Adelaide, he wanted to go back home. Now he's a bloody blue bagger. How do you feel about uh, Aratio uh, wearing the navy blue next year? Oh, it breaks my heart for you, poor Essendon people. No, it doesn't. Don't lie to me, John. Sure, mate. The best thing that happened back in 2012 was when you got or 2013 when you got booted out of the finals, and then and then gave us the opportunity to kick Richmond out of the finals as well. So it was a great year for us. Oh, it was great for Carl. You really kicked on after with Mick after that final series too, didn't you? That, that worked well for you, making the finals and winning that year. Do you know, if that's a big legacy with us, well, at least he's got a, a good stroke. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the only one, but he's got one big one. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you did take our spot. And you know what? If you're going to take our spot, knock off Richmond. That is okay. Thanks for your call, John. A $50 e-gift card coming your way, redeemable online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Uh, let's get to Maddie on the road, who's uh, got a sporting schadenfreude for us. G'day, Maddie. Jules, how are you, brother? I'm good, mate. How are you? Absolutely, yeah, not bad. A couple of things just quickly. I agree with that bloke about Never Terra Sapato. I used to like it in excess. Um, and the other one is um, Mick McGuire when he went to Carlton. That mm. just my. I could not look at him in a Carlton jumper. And also, my last one, and I just want to preempt this by saying I'm completely over 2018. No, you're not. But I've, I've enjoyed watching West Coast wallow in the filth at the bottom <laughs> of the ladder for the last two years. Now, Matt, uh, Mick McGuire, I get it. was actually one, that, one of the first ones that came to mind when I thought of this topic because it was huge at the time and such a Collingwood man, uh, Mick McGuire. So to go to uh, Carlton was uh, an absolute nightmare for Collingwood fans. You can't tell me your whole love or enjoyment of in excess has been spoilt because Port Adelaide play never tear us apart. No, nah, not really, but just that song. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Uh, now, now, Matt, let's. You're on the lie detector here. If, if you're bringing up West Coast, you're not over 2018. You're not. Next question. Yeah, thank you very much. Now the truth comes out. Uh, thanks for your call, Matty. Let's get to George in Narry Warren South. Hey, George. Hey, George. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I, my heart was broken, mate, when um, Aaron Hamill went to St Kilda and <sighs> seeing him in a St Kilda jumper. I'm glad he's back at the club now in, the, in his coaching role, but um, it, it broke my heart the first time I saw him play and I heard a lot of Carlton supporters boo him. Um, but, yeah. That's, that's, that's my ex-girlfriend, mate. Yeah, no, that was it. He was such a important part of Carlton around there. His aggression and his emotion, and, and he was a very good player at the time as well. So, yeah, that, that did rip the guts uh, out of Carlton supporters. I absolutely uh, understand that one. Before the break, thanks for your call, George. Let's get to uh, Johnny in Port Augusta. Johnny, you got one for us? Yeah, mate. What was that Carlton bloke on about? He takes Port Adelaide so much. Well, he doesn't like you. You've ruined an excess for him with never tear us apart. Why? Well, he's, he's a Carlton supporter. Why does he worry about Port Adelaide so much? Because he's a Carlton supporter, John. Miserable. That's what they are. Well, I'll tell you what. Carlton got Craig Bradley from Port Adelaide. I didn't see them win then. No, that's right. It's a good I mean, point. Um, I mean, he was a great at both Port Adelaide and Carlton. Superstar. 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 You got a team and, that uh, you got a team that uh, you uh, enjoy seeing yeah, fail. Yeah, the Crows. No, no, it's, no it has I, to be. I don't know if you Victorians quite. Do you understand how big the rivalry is? Oh, I get it. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, one um, they hate us. We don't like them particularly. All the rest of it, and no, nah, it's the Crows. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be, Johnny. I thought that would be your answer when I saw your name uh, bob up. Thanks for your call. Johnny and Daniel, we'll get to you on the other side of the break. This is Midday Madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and Packerman. Unlock stocked and full of value. Work where for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. You've got heaps coming through uh, on the 40 Wings Temper. We'll get to them very shortly. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. We're talking sporting schadenfreude. Who do you take joy in seeing not doing all that well uh, in the lead-up to Australia, England? And sporting X's, who was it difficult to face for the first time in different colours? Off the back of Brody Grundy uh, speaking uh, yesterday and also uh, Maurizio Pochettino coming back to Tottenham on Tuesday morning. Just an example here, uh, not me, but uh, Rod. I was 14 when Gavin Wanganine left Essendon for Port Adelaide, tore my guts out. However, looking back, he's a port boy and happy for the success he had as well with us, uh, says Rod. Uh, let's get to Daniel in Newcastle, who's got uh, someone he enjoyed when they weren't at their best. G'day, Daniel. G'day, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, doing really well. Yeah, after the incident uh, with Andy Simons, mm-hmm. um, wasn't a fan of Harbourjan thing whatsoever. Uh, he got under our skin a bit, didn't he, old Harbourjan? Yeah, and unfortunately he just loved it and he thrived off it. So every time you uh, didn't, uh, or you got into him when you're in the crowd, it just made him play better. So that was even more frustrating. It was, Daniel, and uh, oh, good, particularly in some series over in India, absolutely destroyed us. Uh, thanks to your for your call. Let's get to Darren in Blackburn. Go, Darren. <laughs> G'day, Jules. Great to talk to you again. You I've too, got mate. A couple for you. And yep. then I've got to ask you a question. Um, so a shard, great shard and forward moment from 40, 2022 was the Ed Langdon call on one-trick ponies <laughs> against the Pies. No and duck. They got all by. duck, no dinner. All duck, no dinner. All duck, um, no dinner. 
and they got rolled by the uh, rolled by the one duck in the book, and then he got steamrolled by Bruzzy Maynard. And the first bounce, tackle. that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, so I thought uh, that was a, an ironic moment, but, but seriously, the team that I love to see fail, and fail as often as they possibly can, is that bloody English cricket team. <laughs> They're doing you a know, good job of it um, at the moment. Oh, you know, one year, one Ashes series, they're saved by the rain, and it's wonderful, the greatest thing that ever happened. And then the next series, the rain costs them a test match, and the rules need to be revisited. And yes, the, uh, and I still remember Jared's um, editorial, uh, Cry Me a River, England. Mm-hmm. That was just glorious. <laughs> that was just fantastic. And, you know, they, they have the ICC Test Championship in their backyard every two years, and they can't even make it. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, when they did win the ICC Cup, they didn't actually win it, Jules. They didn't win it. They had it awarded to them mm-hmm. on an arbitrary rule. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, it was a tie yeah, that's after right. the yep. and it was a tie after the Super Over, and then they had it awarded to them on the fact that they scored more boundaries. Yeah. So they actually Ridiculous. scored off. They scored off less balls, play another Super Over. So they didn't win it. They had it awarded to them. So it's great to see them out of the running right now. <laughs> Are you worried about tomorrow night's game, though? No, I don't think it really matters. Um, <laughs> um, uh, regardless of the outcome, I think uh, we, look, Australia probably should win, but um, yeah, I think they'll qualify regardless of that. Mm. Um, uh, it'll give the Pom something to crow about, maybe, but uh, deep down they know it's a, it, it's a hollow win. But I've just got a couple of questions for you, Jules. Yeah? Yeah. Um, at what stage? Um, a couple of at what stage after the World Cup final is held, no matter who uh, makes it, do you think they'll declare themselves the moral victors of the World Cup? <laughs> and and also, um, if they don't qualify for the uh, Champions Trophy with the top seventeen, yes. At what stage do you think they'll declare themselves moral qualifiers? <laughs> well. I- if, if they beat us tomorrow night and we go on to win the World Cup, no doubt they'll claim a moral victory. I'm not sure they can claim a moral victory for the Champions Trophy, but I like where you're going there, Darren. Uh, thanks for your call. Yeah, pretty popular coming through on the 40 Wings temper as well. 0433 98 11 16 is the English cricket team. Let's get to Johnny on the road. G'day, John. Yeah, thank you, Jules. And just off the top, um, a Collingwood supporter and totally over 2018. Almost almost a blessing in disguise because if we don't lose that, we don't have what we have now. Totally different dynamic and, and I can sense a bit of a dynasty perhaps. So, yep, totally over that. Yep, good. Uh, now, the, um, the one that uh, got me, uh, I mean, let's face it, when a player leaves Collingwood, it's always going to be a downgrade. But it really, it really. <laughs> yes, not always, but yeah, I see your point. But in most cases, not too many of them have gone and done. Look, a few of them have, but not too many. But Paul Williams yeah. was the one that got me. So great player. I think yeah, he was yeah, great player, great skills. Um, I think very popular amongst the club. I had the pleasure of meeting him once. Just a, a real gentleman. But yeah, that, look, I couldn't hate him playing for the Swannies, and and I actually don't mind watching the Swannies anyway. So I, um, I celebrated his career when he was with us and, uh, and, even, um, and even when he wasn't. So a uh, yeah, great player, great skills, had a great career. He did, and he finally got that flag very late in his career with the Swans. Uh, so you got no problem next year if uh, Brodie Grundy and Taylor Adams destroy the pies? No, look, I've got no problem. Uh, I wish him well. 
I'm not sure that they'll be destroying the pies. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, I think it's a it's a win-win for both of us. I think Brody Grundy, he um, he set off the domino pieces, and uh, there was something pretty decent put together that won us the flag last year. And and hopefully, um, uh, Taylor Adams, uh, you know, completes another puzzle and brings us something like back to back. Beautiful, John. Uh, I love it. And, yeah, Paul Williams, what a fantastic player he was uh, at both at Collingwood uh, and Sydney. I couldn't imagine there was too many Collingwood fans that uh, struggled to be happy for Paul Williams. Uh, Let's get to Alex in South Yarra quickly before the news. Hey, Jules. Hey, mate. Hi. Um, I was listening to breakfast this morning and one of the calls was saying how uh, North Melbourne beat Essendon with 16 men um, back in the 70s and his dad took him took the whole family because he was so excited for takeout. And I was like, <laughs> what are the things that you just... It was such a brilliant moment, but what are the things that you never will never hear again at the football? Because uh, when I started going, I remember they used to announce on the MCG... Um, uh, likes when people left their lights on in the car park. <laughs> yes, that's right. One of the things you'll never hear again. All the pie guys. Where are the pie guys gone? No, they're still there, but I do remember that. It'd be, uh, it was Alex from South Yarra head to the Bay 6 administration office. You've left your lights on in your car. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Alex. Uh, thanks for your call. Geez, going back a long way. The North fan, he's talking about the 70s. Keep coming through on the 40 Winks temper on the two topics we've been discussing, sporting schadenfreude and the X. It's been a bit awkward to see for the first time uh, play against your team. Uh, Wayne Carey's first game for Adelaide against North Melbourne. Yeah, that was awkward for a whole heap of reasons and would have been tough for North Melbourne fans. Nick Kyrgios, not everyone likes to see Nick win. Novak Djokovic is exactly the same. Nat says when Dale Thomas left for Carlton. Uh, Jules, the current form of the New South Wales Shield team is really enjoyable. Cheers, Paul from Freo. Couldn't beat an egg, the New South Wales Shield team. Hopeless. Uh, it's a bit harsh. I always enjoy seeing your team, Essen Scum, fail. Essen Scum, that's a bit rough. Every year your supporters get excited about winning the Premiership. No, we don't. And you haven't won a final in 20 years. That's true. Uh, I was upset with Plugger leaving the Saints, says Boris. Yeah, that would be every St Kilda fan. Hi, Jules. Massive F1 fan, but can't stand Lewis Hamilton. When he was winning, I'd just simply not watch the tape race if he won. Have to say I missed a lot of races. Cheers, Simon from Mitchum. Uh, this is an early one. I hope Mitch is not listening. When Dusty goes to the Gold Coast Suns in 2025, that'll break every single Richmond supporter's heart. Prepping for it already, says Muzz. Um, and uh, Toby Green. And I still think it's, a lot of people have turned on Toby Green and like him. Now, speaking of Horatio Fantasia, we mentioned him before. He's coming up on the run home this afternoon with Cam Luke who's filling in for Andy Marr and Andrew Gaze. They're live at the Sporting Globe in Richmond. Welcome back to the show. Time to cross out to Peninsula Kingswood Golf Club, where an electric group of Australian sporting greats, past and present, are assembled for Callaway, putting the new Odyssey putters to the test. The new AI1 putter from Odyssey. It's the number one putter on tour. So we mentioned an electric group of Australian sporting greats. Uh, David King is amongst those, and... Um, Somehow the host of Off the Tee, Sam Hargraves, is there as well. Hello, Sammy. Yeah, hello, JDS. <laughs> With all the past greats of Australian sport, we thought oh, I'd better come out here just so they feel a bit better about themselves. Uh, certainly not fitting into either of those categories, but yeah, we're very happy to be out here. It's a great day at Peninsula Kingswood. The Callaway team, the Odyssey launch of the AI1 putter. It is technology that's never been seen before. The putter is like nothing else that we've ever held. And um, it's gone from me being a, a four-putter 
uh, to maybe just a two-putter. That's how good it is. It's actually made me look like I can putt, and it's almost made Kingy look like he can putt Kingy. I've got some vision, Jules. Sammy, it's not looking good. Um, mate, this is amazing, this uh, new setup down here. So just to put in layman's terms for you, the new technology means that the you can't mishit a putt. So if you don't quite hit the absolute centre of the of the putter, if you hit just just off centre, whether it be inside or outside, whether it be short or long on the, the club face, you get the same distance effectively. So it makes us all look more than capable. I've seen Sam play golf, and the thing that didn't stand out for me wasn't his golf. It was what he was wearing. What, what, what's he actually wearing today? Because what he wore last time I saw was disgraceful. I'm not going to lie to you. He's tried to knock off everything down here. He's, got, he's, he's stolen about three dozen golf balls, three gloves, and he's got his eyes on a bag down here. He's waiting for everyone to get distracted on the putting surface. He's bought a ute down. He's filled the ute. <laughs> Loves a freebie. Uh, so you're telling me, boys, it's certainly worth getting fitted for this putter because you're making it sound like it can help anyone. Oh, absolutely. Look, the Paradigm Driver was last year, and I think that the people that have uh, got involved in that or been fitted for that will be just loving that experience and what it's done for their distance. But this is new age. I mean, this is this is ahead of its time. As I said, it doesn't guarantee that you, uh, you're you going to one-putt every time, but what it does do is give you the same consistency of length. You know, we've all had those ones where we leave them six foot short or we blow them six foot past. Um, but what the boys are saying, Michael Gorn, who runs the joint down here, he's saying he's taking a three-putt off the table. That's good enough for me. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that is magnificent. Now, who else is down there with you, uh, Kingy? Sounds like some pretty, uh, apart from yourself and Sammy, some pretty decent names. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's, look, you, you put free stuff up in up for grabs and the, the regulars roll in. Favola's here. Mm. Tommy Lynch from Richmond's down yeah, here. I'm stealing stuff. You won't see how Favola's going. <laughs> he, he bought a truck, not a ute. <laughs> uh, we've got the Hawkstars in Brewston, Sicily. Chris Golding's down here. He's uh, he's actually a very good golfer. He is. Jordan Lewis is down here. Uh, Joel Selwood. Uh, come down just to collect another track. So I think we said, didn't we? Look, he's just representing all yeah. uh, international Australian teams at the moment. So he would necessarily uh, be part of the Callaway group. Uh, but they're all here, all the all the footballers. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of a couple of blow-ins, and I'm not sure whether they've... Uh, John Newcomb's down here. He hits a mean ball. Too. Oh, you know, I, you imagine that. Blow in, eh? The pride of Puong. No, I'm not calling him a blow-in, <laughs> but... Uh, We've had to put security on because there's a couple of guys just stealing stuff. But uh, it's a ripping day down here. I, I don't know if you love. Do you love your golf? I do. Yeah, I'm no good at it, but I love it. Well, you'll you'll know what we mean with the frustration of putting. Mm. I, this, I'm telling you now, this AI one will will correct your putting in a heartbeat. It doesn't mean much when you're putting for triple bogey most holes, though. But uh, <laughs> who's uh, who's been who's been the most impressive down there in terms well, of the players as golfers? The most impressive person down here is the nine-year-old sensation in Zach Wolf, who gave everyone a touch-up. So, sorry, how old? Challenge. How old? He's nine years old. He's oh, my champion goodness. of around the world. He's an absolute superstar. He stitched them all up in the celebrity putting, uh, yeah. which I didn't participate in because I'm not a celebrity, but he gave them all a lesson in what it meant to be a golfer and a putter. He's infuriating, Jules. He's infuriating. Uh, he comes in and just knocks him in from downtown. Driving us all insane. That's all right. He's just looking over at us now and looking at us both, going, "You two call yourselves golfers. We don't, Zach. We we're very ordinary. We're not at your level at all, mate. He's a star. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a sensational day. The the club itself, too, Jules. Like when you go get fitted, we just both went through the fitting process, Kingy and I. And the expert that they have with you will actually fit the right. There's about four different variations on this putter. And once you've gone through your process, they actually pick apart the way in which you putt, what you do well, what you don't do, and then match the putter to suit. 
so that you're getting the best possible result. It's it's exactly why you should get fitted. Hey, uh, thank you, Sammy. Kingy, uh, what been a big week here at SEN, of course, uh, with the Simon Goodwin and Gary Pert interview and all the reaction to it. What do you make of it? Oh, it's an, an awkward situation for all. And it doesn't matter what you say publicly, it's what you do publicly. The Townsend, I guess the, they're on the clock now, aren't they? They've got to make every post a winner from here forward. No, nothing's changed in terms of the talent they've got at that football club. And I just think we've learnt the improvement that they've got under the bonnet. I mean, we, we didn't realise or recognise these issues late in 2023. And I'll tell you what, if they can get them right, and if they can make a few tweaks to their standards and, their, you know, the word culture, everyone likes to throw around, if they can make those tweaks, they're there again in 24. And it'll be Melbourne versus the world. I think this is something that Simon Goodwin can really grasp hold of and drive this football club back to premiership success. I think they're a very good side. I don't doubt Max Gorn. I don't doubt Simon Goodwin. Uh, I know others are, but I think they're a serious football team, and uh, you'll see that at the start of 2024 again. As a former player, King, and then someone that worked as an assistant coach, were you surprised to hear Simon Goodwin say he hasn't even spoken to Joel Smith yet? Uh, look, I think there's, there's there's many ways to show love and many ways to show you're hurting. You know, clearly Simon's hurting with... Uh, with that information coming to the fore, and I guess that 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 highlights the, the problems that they've had. You know, if you've got players taking or making those decisions and taking those courses of action, you know, late in a final in a home and away season that was destined to have you know, pointy end finals involved, then you would be frustrated, you would be annoyed. So I can understand that. I, I don't know whether you're better off hearing from the coach or not. I mean. I didn't really want to hear from Dennis too often, but he chose to keep talking to me. So <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't always positive. Um, so there's no right, there's no wrong. You can have your opinion on it, but I can guarantee you one thing. They will be a hungry footy team in 2024. And I'm telling you now, watch out for the demons. They're one of the more intriguing teams, given all this going into 2024. But as things stand right now, who fascinates you the most going into next season? Fascinates me. I'd, I'd say the Sydney Swans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one team that, that, that serious, have got serious talent in the midfield and have, have shopped around and filled a few edges. I think Grundy will have a big impact on what they do uh, around clearances and their contest work. So they could come with a, a real rush. I think Carlton are going to be there again. Collingwood are going to be there again. I'm a huge rat for Melbourne. I, I just think this could really help um, in terms of narrowing their focus and, and rebuilding uh, from internal... Uh, discussions and honesty sessions that they'll have over the next uh, couple of months. There's a couple. Of, there's a couple of queries. I'm fascinated by Port Adelaide. Mm. They've got the players they're after. We know there are obvious flaws and obvious holes. So now there are no excuses. It's time to put up or shut up. Um, so I'm fascinated by how they how they roll in, in 2024. And, and of course, there's a the teams down the bottom. You know. When will the Kangaroos get off the bottom? What will Hawthorne do? There's a few of the guys here today. They, you know, they're back and, and, and getting together as a group and starting their their, their, their training loads and they're excited. You know, will, will they spike right up? So there's, 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 there's fascination everywhere. It's just pick your poison, really. What about the Saints? A bit later in the show, we're going to do our upside and downside for the Saints in 2024 after a pretty good year in 2023. What, what's an upside for you when you look at St Kilda next year and, and what's one thing that might hold them back? I just want to see how how far or what the ceiling is for Matthias Filippo. Oh, I think he could be mm. a Marcus Bontempelli type that could just throw the club on his back at some stage down the path. It's probably not going to be 2024 holeless bolus, but if he can just do it for a game or two and just show us little snippets 
uh, that he is the player that, that I believe he is, and many do. And, and, and the good judges in Kilda are so excited by what he's, he's about to bring to that football club. And then just growth. I, I think the Saints have got a lot of growth in terms of Windhager. I'm a massive uh, Mitch Owens fan. So where, where do they go with those young players, I think, is, is, all the, is all the rage. They need someone to jump out from just being a, a good, average AFL player to being a top-line, come-with-me type um, just on your old mate Adam Simpson's got a new CEO in Don Pike. Do you expect you'll have Harley Reid to work with next year? Uh, do I expect? Well, no. Um, but where that big one goes to is probably the discussion. Look, if I'm, if I'm the Kangas and you say, look, we're not, we're not prepared to give you two and three. Mm. We'll give you two and some some steak knives at the back end of the, of the first round and. And I think that, that that in the end will get the deal done. It won't get it done right up until the, until the, the, the flag drops. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the kangaroos will end up with pick one. That's there's no intel there at all. That's just my own thoughts. I think the, the Eagles, I think the Eagles need more than one player from the, from this opportunity uh, upon them right now. Kingy, as you know, we're a close-knit family here at SEN, and when our, one of our friends is struggling, we like to uh, get around them. Uh, yeah. Old Nims. Sri Lanka rolled for 55 last night. Absolutely flogged at the World Cup. Any advice for Nims? Look, it, he's got to stop wearing that Sri Lankan shirt in, right? It, it's not working. <laughs> it, it's clearly not working. His support is not cutting through. I mean, wrapped up for 55. I mean, my oh, God. You blokes. Uh, I mean, he's, he, that's it. Just, just shelve the shirt would be my advice for Nims. I know he keeps the joint uh, on air and he keeps it mm, afloat. He's sometimes. At half past five in the morning, he's a smiling face and he's great to see. I don't want to see that Sri Lankan outfit ever again. Uh, and anyone uh, dinking a ride on the back of a golf cart today or after what happened to the big show, Glenny Maxwell, we're staying away from that. <laughs> well, Favola's down here. Oh, God. What do you reckon going to happen? What do you reckon? Straight into a bunker. That's what I'm tipping. No, look, I tell you what, I tell you what they've done. They've, they've sort of just strapped an extra set of clubs to most carts so you can't actually get on the back. Mm. It's a good call. The carts... Uh, all the focus at the moment, but again, before we uh, we have to roll, and unfortunately, we have to go and play eighteen. I'm oh, sorry, what to, a shame! I'm sorry, to, sorry to tell you that, but uh, hey, look, if you want me to steal your putter or two, uh, just let me know. Nah, happy to put my hand in my pocket, unlike the man next to you, uh, Sammy Hargraves and David <laughs> King. Thank you very much. Of course, King is also a Callaway ambassador. Sammy Hargraves, host of Off the Tee. Enjoy down there, boys. Thank you, JDS. Uh, Kingy's already taken off, and I've just found out I'm playing with Tom Lynch. So I'm looking forward to being short by about 100 metres every shot I hit. That's all right. It's not about length, Sammy. Sammy Hargraves and David King out of Peninsula Kingswood, thanks to the AI1 from Odyssey, the number one putter on tour. Okay, you've heard from Kingy there about a, a range of footy issues. Uh, can Melbourne take this period of difficulty forward as a spring forward for 2024? Do you agree with him with the Saints? Johnny Ralph wrote yesterday that uh, North are all but out of the running for pick one. David King doesn't think that's the case. What do you think, North fans? Give us a call, one 736 736 Welcome back to the show. Bit of feedback after that chat with Kingy. Hi, Jules. I'm pleased to hear Kingy talking positively about the Saints. Normally, he's sinking the boots in. I agree with him this time. I think it's mostly upside for the Saints, says Eric. We're going to do the Saints upside and downside a little bit later. Got a good prize to give, or great prize to give away, actually. So make sure, Saints fans, uh, you get involved. And Kingy, that was interesting. He said that uh, he still believes... Believes North Melbourne will get the number one pick. 
Uh, Johnny Ralph wrote yesterday that North are almost resigned to the fact that everything they've thrown up so far uh, to West Coast has been rejected. So they're almost resigned to the fact it's not going to happen. There's still time. Of course, the national draft not to the end of the month. But uh, here's one saying, don't believe the reports. North will end up with Reed. West Coast will get Curtin and Lance Collard. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. As we say, there's still plenty of time for a deal to be done there. We've been talking uh, sporting schadenfreude off the back of the build-up to Australia versus England. Who do you enjoy seeing struggle or fail or lose, whatever way you want to put it? And also uh, about the ex that's come back to your club to play against your club for the first time. It's been a bit awkward or even someone you actually can't dislike, even though they have left your club. Got a plenty here on the 40 Wings temper. I'm a Carlton supporter at either end of their career. I hated it when Aaron Hamill walked out and went to St Kilda in 2000. And in 2005, Scott Camparelli, who was Carlton's main antagonist in the Carlton Essendon 99 to 01 rivalry, went and played with the scum. Scum? Yes. The Bombers, I think he means. All right. Well, you know what? If the rules were proper, the Camparelli twins would be Bombers. They should go to the club you finished with. That's another story. Hi, Julian. As a passionate Richmond supporter, I have a severe dislike for the handbaggers, a.k.a. Geelong. I think that's that moniker went a long time ago especially over the past six years or so when they ha- we had their measure in finals from their salty coach to Dangerfield to Selwood to CEO uh, Steve Hocking, etc. the carry-on when they had to play us in the G in 2017 qualifying finals. Some of the reasons why I can't stand them. Another one here, I hate seeing Joe Danaher in Brisbane colours. I'm a bomber supporter, and he took the P155 out on the club with his injuries. No, he was just injured. Then moves to Brisbane and is fine, and glad, I'm glad he lost the flag. Ha ha, says Shane in Con. I, I still love Joe Danaher. I know a lot of Essendon fans don't. I uh, still enjoy him uh, playing some good footy at the Brisbane Lions. Mason Cox, Andy Murray, and our Leeds fan here is very much enjoying the struggles of Manchester United. Darren Jarman leaving Hawthorne as well was another tough one. Well, the greatest week in racing is about to get underway. It all starts tomorrow at Flemington with Derby Day. And thanks to Maccas, 30 days, 30 deals. Grab a new deal every day of November, only on the My Maccas app. Let's check in with SEN Track, AFL Nation commentator, and a man that will steer you into plenty of winners over the next week, Campbell Brown. Hello, Brownie. G'day, Jules. How are you, mate? Uh, yeah, well, I, didn't, I certainly didn't do that last weekend. Cox, mate, they was was tough enough, and I, I feel like SCN Tracks created a monster because I open up the Herald Sun today, and I turn to the racing pages, and bang, there's a massive picture and quote from David Taggart, never take on the tag star. Oh. He's walking around the SCN Tracks studio's chest out, as, as up and about as I've ever seen the little man. Seriously. As Dennis Pagan used to say, a paperweight that thinks he's a bookshelf tags at the moment. <laughs> hey, just on the derby, it feels like every year in the lead up to the derby that we have the same debate. Why is this race 2,500 metres? Why don't we shorten it down to 2,000? Do you feel the same way? And, and why haven't we changed it? Oh, I think it's one of those ones. That, I mean, it's obviously very unique. Um, you've always got those that are, are four and against, and I suppose if you want to talk why you're against it, uh, they're three-year-olds, um, and it's very early on in their, their three-year-old season. Um, you know, they obviously only turned three on the, the 1st of August. It rules out um, some of the internationals that might have come maybe later in the year or if it's a, a shortened um, uh, um, race. 2,000's about right, but then it just then it just becomes a, another 2,000-metre three-year-old 
race for for the males. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it really is a, a true staying test for three year olds. Do any horses go on post winning the Derby or running well in the Derby and have good race careers? No, um, there, there haven't been too many. But um, I, I like it, and um, it's one of those one races where it's it's very hard. I mean, I'm tipping. I'm tipping with Rocket um, at two dollar twenties poison. I think um, <laughs> should bounce back, but you know the, the big question mark is can can it run you know, twenty five hundred meters? And um, we'll find out. Well, that's the tough part, isn't it? So race seven four twenty tomorrow, the Victoria Derby uh, Group One worth two million dollars. But since two thousand and six, Brownie, only two favourites have won this race. But I guess we probably ha- haven't had as many in recent times, as short as uh, Riff Rocket is. Uh, main dangers to Riff Rocket? Um, for me, the thing is, you, you can be absolutely bolting it at the you know, 1,800-metre mark. You can hit the front at the 2,200-metre mark, and, and then horses can just absolutely puncture, you know what I mean? And, and just um, paddle the last furlong, furlong and a bit, and the horses that are eating up the ground, you know, they've got real stayers, um, pedigree that have been been ready to rock and roll, you know, fly late and, and get it. I think Verdad is a, a genuine danger. I mean, we saw Sunset beat Riff Rocket at Crawford last night in a small field that was a bit stop-start. Um, and I think that the second favourite, Apulia, Apulia uh, for the Hayes boys, has all deserve to be around the mark. But um, you put faith in, in uh, Chris Waller. He thinks the horse is cherry ripe and will run the trip and is usually pretty accurate. Yeah, he doesn't get it wrong too often. The Coolmore Stud Stakes uh, race six, uh, 1,200 metres down the Flemington Strait, is always one to watch. you got the top three from the Golden Slipper, Shinzo, Cylinder and King's Gambit. Shinzo won the Slipper, but hasn't exactly uh, set the world on fire since. Yeah, and there's not many horses uh, that, that go on from winning the, the Slipper and have good careers and, and, and win again. Um, I'm with King's Gambit. I, I love the way that this horse... One last start. I know that you know, found the rails and the gaps opened up at the right time, but he's a horse that burst on the scene at Caulfield Guineas Day last year and won a, a race there by five or six lengths. And Blake Shin got off and said, wow, um, not a lot went right. The horse has had some, some manner issues in the past, but um, the Shinzo Cylinder, King's Gambit, they've had some great battles, um, you know, as two-year-olds up in Sydney, and, and they all meet each other again here. And I think you know, the $8, $8.50 that King's Gambit's a pretty good bet. Race two, the Lexus Archer Stakes, over 2,500 metres. Group three, but uh, the winner gets a ticket in to the Melbourne Cup, so it's always a race to keep an eye on. Eight winners out of this race have gone on to win the Melbourne Cup, including Shocking and, and Brew in more recent times. Uh, who do you like here? Yeah, this is a really disappointing race because usually in the past, last chance to punch your ticket to the Melbourne Cup, you usually get pretty good, strong, big fields. And I think there's a field here of only um, seven or eight runners. And, um, and you know, for, for mine, uh, I think 2009, you mentioned shocking. That's the last horse that, that won this race and went on to win the Melbourne Cup. So um, I think Adabas can obviously, is the favourite. Oh, I think United Nations can absolutely bounce back. Um, you know, it's been – its course for cup run was – was pretty good, um, and the run before that was outstanding at uh, Caulfield. So if you want to take the favourite on, which will be hard to beat, I think the Mar Eustace run at United Nations can certainly win at $6. Jenny to Campbell Brown, SEN Track, AFL Nation commentator. But it's all about the racing tomorrow, starting with Derby Day 
at Flemington. Uh, what about in the wakeful? It's usually a pretty good indicator for the Oaks coming up on Thursday. Uh, looks like Sardozzi's going to start a pretty short price favourite. Yeah, it is. Um, Godolphin haven't had a, a great spring thus far. I mean, they, they lost some of their big guns like Anamo at the start last uh, the end of last season. And they haven't quite found their next big ticket horse. Um, maybe Tom Kitten, but um, still got a little bit to prove. Um, I, I was with the three here in this race. It's about 460. Consana uh, for Chris Waller. I think Jamie Carr, who, um, if you look at her last three weeks, um, 24 rides on horses that are under double-figure odds and hasn't ridden a winner. So you could say out of form. I'm saying she's about to bounce back over the four four days of Flemington. Um, champions don't stay down for long. She'd be aware of, of the little drought that she's in at the moment. Um, maybe still regaining a bit of confidence from that terrible fall in the, in the autumn. But yep. um, she's riding uh, she's riding Consana and I think this could be the, the horse that kickstarts her, uh, her Flemington campaign. Interesting race, race eight uh, at five o'clock. The Empire Rose Stakes over 1,600 metres. Group one worth a million because alcohol-free is uh, 10 million bucks bought for four oh. group ones in England. But uh, lacking a bit of fizz over here, it's fair to say. Um, we'll start favourite. But uh, what have you made of alcohol-free since it's been in Australia? Yeah. Uh, if you've got that sort of money to buy a horse, I suppose it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but... Um, You'd be disappointed with your return on investment. Um, you know, a fourth, a last, and a fourth. Um, I know Cam Luke is really bullish on this this runner. Um, he's declared it. Um, very, very open race. Oh, I'm actually going for some real value here. Here we go. And it's number six, Foxy Frieda. Andrew Noblet trains trains this mare, thirty four dollars. Oi. But a really a really consistent horse. Um, loves his trip. Uh, you know, nine goes over this trip for three wins, three seconds, and a third. Um, likes the, the big open expanses of Flemington and um, has drawn really well. There's good speed in the race. It'll, it'll sort of get back worse than midfield and be really, uh, hopefully, if the, the gaps open up, we can get to the outside, be really hitting the line nice and strong. And I reckon she's massive overs. Coming coming off uh, a two-length loss last start to Wishlaw Lass, who's come out and, and won again at Mooney Valley, and only the five lengths off... Amelia's jewel uh, before that at Flemington. So if uh, she can replicate anything near that form, I reckon she's in the finish. Well, if that one comes to pass, there'll be uh, plenty of alcohol flowing for those that have uh, backed it. What about the fact that we've now got the Golden Eagle on Derby Day up in Sydney? Is that taken anything away from Derby Day, do you think? Or do you actually think it's enhanced it to have another quality race around the country? No, it's certainly detracted from, from potentially what could have been on offer for Derby Day. And um, I know a lot of people look at, you know, Victoria versus New South Wales and the competition around that. Um, I think anything that that improves racing and puts a bit of pressure on the different race clubs and you've got to be a bit more inventive, you've got to think about your programming and fixturing and things a little bit more now that the, com- the competition's so high is a good thing. I, I don't... I don't buy into the us versus them sort of set up. They're two different racing clubs and they're both trying to do the absolute best for, for each other or for for themselves. I mean, against each other. So um, I I think it's a, I mean, it's a great race. It's uh, there's plenty of chances. I was with um, a Y5O in this race. I just, uh, I love this horse. Talk about a horse with a bit of, 
bit of ticker and just fighting to the line. Um, Shades of alligator blood about it, and it's trained by the same trainer, so you'd expect it. But Johnny Singleton trains, uh, owns his horse, and it's drawn really well. Um, its Everest run was massive. I know it didn't win, but geez, it went down swinging, and um, I think it can jump if Nasra Willa can get to the front and just slow that tempo up and get away with some a few cheap sectionals. Good luck getting past it. Any other racing in Sydney worth taking a look at tomorrow? Uh, I haven't really done too much form in Sydney. I've mainly just focused everything down here at Flemington, apart from that Golden Rose. I really like um, my best of the day is uh, at Flemington tomorrow, race three, Rose Courts, mm-hmm. uh, the Graham Big Runner. And my best each way, I think is a, it's going to be a great bet. Uh, pretty good first up record, a Godolphin runner called Gravina, $13 at the moment. Um, rarely runs out of the place ever, uh, let alone first up. So I reckon that uh, that could be... A nice little anchor for some of your multis. So that's Derby Day. Looking ahead to Melbourne Cup Day, we're all getting ready for the big race. Um, how do you see the quality of the field this year? Oh, I think it's pretty good. Um, it's not going to be an all-time great uh, Melbourne Cup, but um, you know the, the, the great thing about racing is it doesn't matter what necessarily horses and the quality of horses in the races are. It's about the finishes. And, and we looked at the Caulfield Cup. That was one of the great finishes. You know, two horses going at it from the 200-metre mark and there's a short half-head. Then you look at the the, uh, Cox Plate. Now, it wasn't jam-packed with superstars, but one of the greatest finishes of all time, you know, a lip between Mr. Brightside and Romantic Warrior and the Hong Kong story. So, for me, it's it's not necessarily about the, the quality of the horses. Yes, you need to attract the internationals and get some star power down, but um, if there's a blanket finish with four or five horses across the line, that's what everyone will remember, not necessarily a, a one superstar that comes out and wins by five lengths, you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of buzz about Vorban. Uh, do you buy into the hype? Not really. I'm, um, yeah, I mean, you can look at that price and think it's uh, it's very, very short. Um, I'm one of those those guys. Um, actually, here's another one that I'm going to go for a bit of value. But I like it. I've been following, following this this horse and its journey back to fitness for a while. It's called Ash Run. It ran in the 2020 Melbourne Cup. It's an Australian bloodstock horse uh, for Andre Voller. And uh, it's now with the Ma Eustace stable. Got injured. Um, 2020 was the year that the COVID did it. Uh, Twilight payment jumped and, right. and went to the front mm-hmm. and ran a cracking pace and kicked away and won. And um, it was only about five or six lengths back, but no one made up ground that day. So that run wasn't too bad. We know it'll get the trip. It's been nursed back to health. It's Geelong Cup run was absolutely outstanding where it ran second. Mm. And that was enough to qualify for uh, Tuesday. And I just reckon, I mean, they won last year with, with gold trip, same colours, same trainers. Maybe this could be the horse at odds that comes out that a few people have overlooked. Very nice, yeah. So there's great storylines everywhere. Gold trip going for back to back. The Richmond boys in Sulcum without a fight, trying to win the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double. It's been a lot of jockey changes in the in the lead up. Of course, after uh, Derby Day tomorrow, we have the Barrier Draw. How important is the Barrier Draw for the Melbourne Cup? Yeah, vitally important. Obviously, everyone's everyone's trying to get those those good barriers where you're not tucked up on the fence and you can you can get it. You can sort of. Get between five and ten, I think it would be the perfect barrier. Some people might say three to twelve, but five to ten, I think, if you're a jockey and a, and a trainer, it gives you options. You know, and if you're not cleanly away, you can still sort of punch up and be close enough. 
Um, you don't want to be caught wide. Obviously, 3,200 metres is a real staying test anyway. If you, if you get caught two or three wide for the trip without much cover or you can't get in uh, by, by the, the finish post the first time, you've already covered a fair bit of extra ground. So all those sort of things are, are really important. And, um, you know, jockeys will, will have plans um, dependent on what barrier they draw. And, and some will just have to throw their plans out the out the door and jag back to last and hope for a bit of luck because they've drawn the outside. So there's all these sort of things that, that play a role. Yeah, typical Melbourne. Coldest Melbourne Cup for you since 95 last year, looking at 30 degrees on uh, Tuesday. Looks like it's going to be great weather uh, for the Melbourne Cup Carnival uh, for the whole week. Uh, of course, don't miss all the Derby Day action, including the, the call of every race live on SEN and SEN Track tomorrow with the Trackside team live from Flemington. Before I let you go, Campbell... Uh, a lot of people look up to you for your style. Have you got your outfit ready? And uh, who are you dressed by? <laughs> I, I'm so lazy. Uh, I, I just ring up Channel 7 and, and say, hey, <laughs> can I please borrow one of my suits that I wore during the footy season? Um, I'm traditionally not a not a, a black and white guy, but uh, the, the stylist, the, uh, they made sure that they put a black tie in there for me. So, um yeah, I'll be I'll be well dressed, but it won't be uh, because of me. It'll be because uh, because of the Channel Seven wardrobe. Nah, can't be good at everything, uh, Brownie. Uh, enjoy Derby Day. Enjoy the entire week. It's a it's a great week of racing. And uh, thanks for your time. I look forward to SEN Track over the next four days. Have a great weekend, and hopefully we can find plenty of winners. Absolutely, plenty of value bets there from Campbell Brown. Thirty days, thirty deals is back at Maccas. Remember, what's gambling really costing you for free and confidential support? Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO3077. Sportsmart's mega giant shoe sale. 25% off all full-price shoes. Shop online at sportsmart.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Yep. Everybody's looking up now at Cameron Percy. Nine under par. Cutter's just the thing that's always sort of held him back. He's a world-class ball striker. He's got this new grip on there. There we go. He's got this new grip on there that allows both thumbs to sit on top of the putter head. Well, that new grip is working for Victorian Cam Percy. So 49-year-old, a bit of a journeyman golfer, really. He's been on and off the uh, PGA Tour, back to the Corn Ferry Tour. He's never won on the PGA Tour. The closest he got was in 2010 uh, when he lost in a playoff. He's won once on the Corn Ferry Tour, and for the first time in his professional career, shoots 10-under in the opening round of the PGA Tour stop in Mexico. A 10-under 62 leads by two after the first round, the 49-year-old from Victoria. So what a start for Cam Percy. Let's hope he can continue that uh, over the weekend. Sports update for the Toolkit Depot. Everything you need under one roof, tools, equipment, safety gear, and workwear in-store and online. Now, we've mentioned Brody Grundy a couple of times in the show, we've been talking about, uh, you know, it can be a little bit awkward when your ex comes back off the back of uh, this weekend uh, in the Premier League on Tuesday morning when Maurizio Pochettino, the Chelsea manager, goes back to Tottenham for the first time up against uh, Ange Postacoglu and Spurs. But uh, Brody Grundy spoke really well yesterday on uh, Triple M. I don't think any Collingwood or Melbourne supporter would hold anything against uh Brody Grundy, of course, Sydney Swans. He's going to be the number one ruckman. Uh, and this is just a little bit of him speaking about leaving the D's. Hand on heart, I yeah, don't have a bad word to say about Melbourne. I actually really enjoyed my my time there. Just my two hours on the weekend um, wasn't where I wanted to be. And I'm here to play AFL footy. Yeah. Playing VFL, you know, it's pretty sobering when you, when you get dropped. Yeah, it's hard to reconcile. And, you know, for me, 
sort of getting towards the uh, end of my uh, career or closer towards the end, I want to be able to maximise uh, my time playing AFL footy. We just sort of had a, uh, a mutual sort of conversation towards towards the end and I just sort of spoke to Goody transparently and we were having conversations all the way through and yeah, it was probably, again, in, in the best interest for, for both parties. Yeah, spoke really well there, Brody Grundy, and uh, let's hope he can have a really good year for the Swans next year. Another one of the high-profiled uh, well, free agents, uh, Ben Mackay, was down at the Bombers yesterday. I think he spoke to Channel 7 and Channel 9, but here he is speaking on Channel 7 about uh, just the difference in expectation going from the Kangas to the Bombers. Essendon are right there. I think they're right around the corner from having success. The expectation is a privilege, I think, coming from North where um, we're a young group and um, didn't have too much success. And we're on a different journey, but it's exciting to be a part of a team that you know has some, some pressure on it, I think. That's Ben Mackay speaking for the first time yesterday as a bomber. Just continuing the footy theme, we spoke about this a bit on the show yesterday, this push uh, for a national second-tier competition. Uh, David Kosh, the Port Adelaide chairman, made it pretty clear that that's the way they want to go, at the best and fairest. But uh, Adelaide and Port Adelaide are contracted to play in the SANFL until 2028. Uh, the Port Adelaide CEO, Matthew Richardson, uh, was on with Kimbo and the Roots. This conversation, as you said earlier, has been going on for a number of years. Uh, and the reality is, you know, the Port Adelaide Footy Club has been in the AFL for 26 years now, and we've been having this conversation in one form or another for a long time. So that's the, that's the first point. Secondly, the conversation really is with the AFL, and we, um, we've been having that conversation with the AFL on the basis that um, if you look at, um, you know, the AFL is one of the most equalised professional sports leagues in the world. Um, there's a whole lot of measures that the AFL use in order to, uh, in order to achieve that, whether it be, you know, salary caps, soft caps, NGA academies, father sons. There's a whole lot of inequities across the competition, and our um, our strong view with the AFL is that you can't not consider second tier competitions as part of that that conversation when you've got the situation at the moment where effectively you've got 14 AFL teams operating under one system and then four teams that are operating in uh, effective other other state leagues. So that's the, that's the basis of this conversation. As I said, it's not new. It's been ongoing for a, a long period of time. And, um, and we, you know, again, had that conversation with the AFL last week. Yeah, only a matter of time you would think in the reports out of Adelaide this week that it might well be the Crows and Powers' final year in the SANFL next year. Just heading overseas uh, before we wrap up the sports update, James Harden, he's a very good basketballer, but uh, he has some interesting things to say from time to time. You saw him welcome into the Clippers' locker room the other day. It wasn't overly warm, and then he was... Uh, so he was watching on yesterday as the Clippers lost to the Lakers uh, in overtime, and he faced the media and was just asked about the situation uh, at the 76ers and just how he wanted to be basically let off the leash. This was his answer. When I'm in a leash, I'm not in just shooting the basketball every time. I'm in, like, I'm a, I'm a... Like, I think the game, and I'm a creator on the court. You know what I mean? So if i got a a voice to where I can, hey, coach, I see this. You know, what you think about this? Then it's like, oh, okay. Like somebody that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me, that I'm just not a, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? So um, somebody that, that can have that dialogue with me and understand and, and, and 
move forward and figure out and make adjustments on the fly throughout the course of games. That's all I really care about. You know, I mean, it's not about me scoring a basketball, scoring 30, 34 points. I've done it already. So um, that's what I meant by that. I'm not a system player. I am a system. Can you imagine if an AFL player said that? What would our man Corn say? That was an extraordinary comment. I'm not a system player. I'm a system. I'm not sure that endears you to your new coach, your new teammates, and your new set of fans, but uh, time will tell for James at the Clippers. Just a bit of breaking uh, racing news as well. Damien Ratcliffe, uh, the senior racing rider at the age, has got uh, exclusive. Valiant King has failed a racing Victoria vet this morning. Slightly lame. He will be re-inspected on Saturday, but managing owner Aussie Care may pull the pin tonight. Uh, he has spoken to the age uh, more shortly to come via the age sport. So uh, it could be a late scratching there for the Melbourne Cup. Glen A. Baker areas here. This is, that is the new Beatles single, Now and Then. It's out today. So it's a demo recording of John Lennon. It's been cleaned up with AI, with Paul and Ringo recording parts to add to a previously recorded part from George Harrison. And there you have it, a new song for the Beatles. And there is millions and millions and millions of Beatles fans out there that will absolutely love it. A uh, bit of uh, feedback for James Harden off the 40 Winks uh, temper, 0433-981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you, 40 Winks, serious about sleep. I like this from Mozza from Cobden. I'm going to drop that. I'm a system to my resis coach this preseason. Uh, he believes he's bigger than the game. The idiot says, Boris, James Harden is the Kanye West of the NBA. Says uh, Cody, just a few others uh, off the 40 Winks temper. He's a bit mean-spirited. Love seeing Essendon. Their supporters failing every week and every year. 7,000 days tomorrow, Jules, since your last final. Love it. Uh, enjoy seeing Italy uh, fail in soccer. Yeah, that's always quite dramatic and emotional when uh, the Italians... Don't quite well. I didn't qualify for the World Cup last time. Uh, just a couple on the draft as well. Uh, don't be, uh, where were we here? No way North will allow its five first round draft to be completely stripped bare by West Coast in exchange for pick one. Let them take Harley Reid. Then we can use two, three, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen on five guns who can fill positional needs. And watching Brett Delidio leave the Tigers to win a premiership was hard enough. But then to knock him out of the finals the following year was heartbreaking. Uh, another one there. So keep them coming through on the 40 Wings Temper Text. Reminder coming up on the show, Reese Carter from Melbourne United. We're going to do the Saints upside and downside. Steve Rossich will join us to talk everything about uh, the week at Flemington starting tomorrow with Derby Day. Mike Hussey to chat the cricket as well. Just remember, Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights. Cruises, holidays, and tours. Book now to save big. This is Dwayne's World for the Kangan Institute and Sportsman. Welcome back to the show. It's been a fantastic start to the season for Melbourne United, sitting pretty on top of the table, and they'll look to keep that going on Monday night when they take on the under fire. Perth Wildcats, who are in a bit of a slump at the moment, being good enough to be joined by Melbourne United assistant coach Reese Carter. A reminder to watch the Hungry Jacks NBL on ESPN. Afternoon, Reese. 
Good afternoon. Great to have you on the show. Just a little bit of a, before we get stuck in, a bit of selection news this week. Uh, how's Matty Dallavadova going? And also uh, Ian Clark, is he going to suit up Monday night? Yeah, both been training uh, in the last couple of days and looking really good. Um, we uh, had a no training day today, so I didn't get the the final word. So tomorrow they'll both be in training, and um, as long as they're going well, hopefully we have them both. Quite often in the NBL, you're, you're dealing with you know obviously a lot of travel and sometimes a lot of short breaks. You've had a nice big long break uh, between games this time. How does that change the week for you? Uh, it changes a lot for us, assistant coaches who go through the. <laughs> the scout plan and, and uh, prep and all the video for the opposition. So uh, nice and easy period for us to just focus on one team a week rather than two at a time. But for the boys as well, you get a little practice um, on every kind of game plan and prep and, and scout. So it's, it's really good to get that time and, and just sort of reload a little bit. We've had just travel game, travel game. And, um, you know, it's been a pretty busy period and, and we had a really light start to the week and then we ramped it up again yesterday. So, um, things are starting to, to get back to um, a bit of normality, but it's been pretty hectic. You, just on that, race, you mentioned the scouting and, and looking through tape, and we, you know, quite often throughout the year we speak to AFL assistant coaches and they talk about their coding and, you know, they they watch games from all sorts of different camera angles. They watch from, uh, you know, behind the goals footage. As an assistant coach in the NBL, how much time in the week do you spend watching tape, whether it's of your own guys or or the opposition coming up? Yeah, it's a big part of our job. We'll um, we'll watch last three games at least of uh, the team coming up that they've played, and then uh, whenever we've played them in the past, and go over. Obviously, basketball is a bit different to you know footy and some other sports where it's really specific set play A, a to B to C to this guy to catch it here and try and score. So um, really breaking down all those kind of set plays and um, making sure we're on top of special situations, what they like to do, how they like to score. Um, yeah, really breaking that down on the video. And then, you know, we'll show that to the group early in the week um, and just try and, you know, get a good feel, let the players get a good feel for, for the opposition. And, um, you know, we can't spend all week on them. We've got to focus on us too, obviously. So a um, little bit of review and, and show some footage of us as well. So, um, yeah, definitely a huge part of what we do. We try and not overload the boys with too much, um, you know, coming into games. You don't need to know every little detail. Um, so as long as we're on top of it, we can give them the, the themes and, and try and keep them on top of what they're coming up against. It's been a Melbourne United assistant coach, Reese Carter. United take on Perth Wildcats uh, Melbourne Cup Eva. I just want to ask you about Ariel Huckporty. It was a he's a big man, and I'd imagine it, and a, the injury he suffered would be one of the your biggest nightmares as a big, strong, powerful man like him. Has he ex- exceeded your expectations with, by what he's been able to do early on this season? Yeah, he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, coming off, as you said, the Achilles is such a tough one for such a, an explosive athlete and a guy that's, you know, 115 kilos, 6 foot 10 sort of, um, you know, and, and one of our fastest guys over the 20-meter the sprint. He's just an amazing athlete. Um, and so, yeah, to, to be able to come out and do what he's done, you know, his defense especially has just been off the charts. He's leading the league in, in you know, defensive rating and and you know, protecting the rim. No one, you know, in the league is doing a better job of kind of bringing field goal percentages down in the key when they're around. So when teams are driving in, you know, they're shooting at the lowest percentage in the league around the rim because he's in there just protecting it. So um, huge on that end. And then obviously, you know, he's such an athlete and alley-oop thread, the boys get in there and can just throw it up anywhere and he'll he'll catch it and dunk it. So he's been huge. Uh, 
Your coach, uh, 300 games, Dean Vickerman, uh, last week. Just when he's – would you say he's he's more happy when the side is defending really well or is he one that looks to offense a little bit more? What's sort of the, the, the key plank that he looks for out of offense or defense? You know, he, he's definitely a defensive coach. <laughs> um, you know, he, he definitely wants us to, you know, keep teams down in the 80s or even 70s if we can, points a game. So um, he's, he's definitely pushing that end of it. And, you know, if guys play hard defensively and really keep teams down, he doesn't really um, challenge too much offensively. He gives guys freedom. Um, and, you know, as a player, I think that's what the boys like playing for him. If you play hard and, and play the right way defensively, you know, you get a bit of freedom to express yourself and, and play your way offensively as long as, you know, we're sharing the ball and, uh, and playing as a team. So, um, obviously, you don't get to 300 games and, um, you know, uh, you know, five championships mm. and everything done without, you know, being pretty good at his job. So, um, you know, I had the pleasure of having a year playing for him as well. And, and so I knew what to expect coming in, working with him. And, uh, yeah, he just really drives the standards defensively really well. And, and that's what's set us up really well so far this year. Wildcats have been such a successful franchise for a long time. They're going through their struggles at the moment. Is there a bit of beware the wounded Wildcat going into this one? Oh, yeah. They're one of the most talented teams in the league. Um, you know, they've got guys that can score in, in a hurry. And, and if we don't do our job, then they will. So, um, and yeah, like you said, anyone that gets knocked around in the media long enough, they eventually come out and, uh, and have a big game and take a scalp. So um, if... if uh, you and all your, all your media friends can slow down on them a little bit until after Monday. That would be nice. All this wounded talk, uh, we don't like it too much. But um, hopefully we can keep them down one more week. But they're, they're bound to, to start uh, getting some wins at some point soon. You know, they've got such a great uh, history and, and, you know, just such great talent on the team. Uh, we always keep a close eye on the Wildcats here at uh, SEN. Uh, shout out to Hutchie. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, the quote uh, from James Harden overnight, uh, Reese, where he said... I am not a system player. I am a system. Now, I'm sure there's not one player at the Melbourne United would have the gumption to suggest that to Dean Vickerman. But if there was one player, who would that player be? Oh, not that he would ever do it, but uh, if he, uh, if there's one person that maybe has the right to say something like that, I think last weekend uh, CG, Chris Golding, probably put on a bit of a show today. That he can throw in the ball just over half court and he can throw it up. But... Um, yeah, luckily for us, we've got a great group that, that know that not one player can win it. Funnily enough, James Harden hasn't won any championships. I'm not sure uh, why. But, is that um, just, just a coincidence, do you think, Reese? Or Just coincidence. Obviously, him doing his own thing, scoring all the points and not playing any defense. Is, it's going to work one day, I'm sure. It's just been a, a coincidence it hasn't so far. Uh, he's an interesting character for sure. Hey, Reese, thanks so much for your time. Uh, it's always a big game when United uh, play the Wildcats. Uh, hoping you can continue from your point of view uh, your great start to the season Monday night. Thanks for your time. No worries, thank you. Great to have Reese Carter, Melbourne United assistant coach. Watch the Hungry Jacks NBL on ESPN. Okay, let's have a bit of fun between now and two o'clock. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Where every Kia open line. What a national national Kia car dealer of the year, where the customer comes first. So off the back of those that quote from James Harden, I am not a system player. I am a system. Who in AFL circles could be considered a system in your team? or an opposition team will take your calls. Someone that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me, that I'm just not a, you know, I'm I'm not a system player. I am a system. Extraordinary comments uh, from James Harden. We're just asking who in the world of footy could be described as a system 
plenty coming through off the 40 Winks temper. I've got a prize to give away if you want to give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Werribee Kia Open Line has been awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year where the customer comes first. As we say, plenty coming through on the 40... Don't even forget it. <laughs> Not quite. The 40 Wings temper, 0433 uh, Frank, I reckon he's spot on here because there was a system built around this man. His name was Wayne Carey. Hi, Jules. Back in the 90s, Carey was a system via Pagan's Paddock. Cheers, Frank. Uh, hi, Julian. It sounds like Jake Stringer to me. He is his own system, says Sam. Cats fan, but I think the Bont could be a system, says Moza. And Buddy was a system. Look out when the Swans are unleashed next year. A system, Oliver, Gorn, Charlie Kernow, and the barometer, Reese Matheson, according to another one here. Uh, so keep them coming through, 0433 98 11 16, or give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heaps to get through after two. Mike Hussey uh, from Fox Cricket is going to join us to preview Australia versus England uh, tomorrow night. We're going to do upside, downside for the Saints. Uh, you heard David King's comments a little bit earlier. We're going to look at the Saints in 2024, Steve Rossage uh, to, from the Victorian Racing Club, their CEO, CEO, to preview everything that's happening in Flemington over Melbourne Cup week. Uh, so plenty to come uh, after 2 o'clock. We've got some prizes to give away as well, e-gift card and also a Signet Booster Power Bank. Uh, just a reminder too, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12th. And you are in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Plenty coming through about the King, Wayne Carey, and Pagans. Paddock, have you missed the cricket last night? An extraordinary performance. Uh, well, depends glass half full or glass half empty. Uh, India, magnificent. Sri Lanka, no good. Bowled out for 55. Second largest defeat in World Cup history. Uh, the Indian batsman, uh, Ayer 82, Gill 92, Kohli 88, and then their bowlers just went straight through uh, Sri Lanka, knocked them over for 55, fourth lowest score in World Cup history. Canada's still got the lowest with 36, that cricketing powerhouse. Uh, Shami, 5 for 18. Siraj, 3 for 16. The 55 included five ducks. So uh, not a good day for Sri Lanka. Uh, just a few more off the 40 Winks temper. Oh, that's good. Now, that is good. TDK does amazing things to the system. Now, for the younger audience, TDK, they used to be cassettes back in the day, uh, and that was their little jingle. TDK does amazing things to my system. Uh, what about the old... Oh, what is going on? What about the alternative Essendon doesn't have a system? That's a bit rough. Definitely Diesel Williams, Steve in Port Piri. Hey, Jules, Mark Jacko Jackson was a system. Cheers, Catter. Uh, Dusty is a system. Says uh, Damien. Uh, so we've yeah, got plenty on Twitter. Charlie Kerno is the system. Uh, Peter off Twitter says Bontem Pally. Um, so, yeah, plenty of systems coming through. Uh, Kane, oh, I was going to throw to Kane Cause, but he might have run out a bit of time. He's uh, very, very uh, bullish on the Blues for next year. He was asked about it last Hold time. On. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, with the Ratio fan touch. He's actually tipping the Blues as his early flag favourite, which. Probably plenty of people will, and given the what their second half of the year, they were as good as anyone. And um, you know, one two finals, they'll get Zach Williams back, and everything they went through this year should hold them in good stead. Good, the bad, the ugly uh, this year, but uh, they got through it in the end. Scott Penderbury 
is the system. If the system wasn't working, he would just change it. And going back to the 70s, Snake Baker, long bombs to Baker, back from the 1978 Grand finals. We're getting down to the business end of the World Cup. We can't wait for Australia versus England tomorrow night. Uh, Fox Sports, every ball of every game of the 2023 ICC Men's Cricket World Cup is live and ad break free during play to stream on KO Sports. And you can watch it on Foxdale. One of the main men at Fox Sports Cricket is the Australian cricket legend, Mike Hussey, who joins us this afternoon. And Mike, it has been an intriguing build up, to say the least, for this match between Australia and England. Yeah, good morning, Julian. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game, isn't it? Uh, Australia obviously playing some really good cricket of late. Uh, England, unbelievably, right at the foot of the table and um, can't get anything going whatsoever. But there has obviously been a spanner thrown in the works with no Maxwell and no Mitch Marsh in the next game. So who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be must, must, view, must viewing, I reckon. Well, how would you be feeling if you're Andrew McDonald or Pat Cummins playing good cricket, you got yourself in the top four on the way to the semi-finals, and then through no fault of your own, two very unusual circumstances, you lose two of your best players. Yeah, it'd be pretty frustrating. Uh, uh, no, no question about it. I think Australia can cover it, but it, it'd be frustrating because in tournament play like a World Cup, you want to be trying to build your momentum and build your form up towards the back end of the tournament. I really feel as though Australia were doing that. Um, and, and to have this sort of spanner thrown in the works will, be, will definitely be a disruption. It provides opportunities for someone else, I think, I think someone like Cameron Green could come in and play a similar role to Mitch Marsh. He can be aggressive, sort of batting in that number three position and, and help out with a few overs. I honestly feel as though Maxwell is going to be a little bit harder to replace. And um, I think Stoinis can do the job from a batting perspective, maybe not as well as, as a Maxwell who's in unbelievable touch at the moment. But, but what is going to be really interesting is Maxwell's been so good with the ball throughout the tournament. You know, he, he's, he's yeah. consistently bowled well in those Indian conditions. Stoinis, obviously, more of a medium pace option. So someone like maybe a Travis Head might have to step up and bowl a few more overs, but he's definitely not as good a bowler as Maxwell. So I think from that perspective, that's where Australia certainly lose a little bit and, and, and will find harder to replace. Just on the, the Glenn Maxwell incident, I mean, we've heard Marcus Stoinis say, look, you know, and Andrew McDonald say, it's nothing underward, it's just boys being boys. But is there, do you feel it was, is there any sense of it being a little bit irresponsible or is this just simply bad luck? Well, I, I guess the short answer is I don't know. Uh, I wasn't there. I, wasn't see what, I didn't see what was going on. I guess we've got to take it on face value. Um, accidents do happen. It just seems like accidents happen to Maxwell more often than not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, um, you know, uh, the, the things that um, seem to happen to him. Um, it's, it's definitely not ideal and, and you'd sort of hope that they weren't being too silly or anything like that with, you know, with what's on the line and, 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 and with what's coming up, um, to lose someone like Maxwell, it, it honestly, it, it can derail your whole, um, your, your whole tournament. So let's hope he's okay. Let's hope he dismisses the one game and, um, it doesn't affect Australia too much and they can, you know, play well and, and, and hopefully beat England or, you know, win, win a couple of their last uh, three matches and, and, and sort of sail through to the semifinals. You work with the England team during the uh, T20 World Cup. What, watching from afar, uh, kid, have you got a sense for what's gone wrong in this tournament, given they've been such a good white ball team for a long time? I must admit it's really surprised me, and I'm happy to put my hand up and say at the start of the tournament, I thought England would be right up there at the pointy end of the tournament. I, th- I thought they were good enough to make, you know, get through to the final. 
But obviously that's, that's not proven to be the case at all. I think the thing that surprised me the most is the batting that hasn't fired. I looked down the list and I sort of, and, and having worked with some of these guys, they're world-class players, they really are, but their batting has not fired whatsoever and it's put a lot of pressure on the bowling side of things. Their bowling is, is serviceable. I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, world-class like some of the other t- attacks going around, but they, they're, pretty, they're a pretty smart group. Um, and, and, you know, their, their depth can be tested a little bit, but the batting side of things is something that's really surprised me. I thought they'd be one of the powerhouses and putting on some massive scores, but, um, yeah, maybe teams have figured them out and, um, and, and, and they may be just a bit low on confidence. Once you sort of get into a bit of a hole, sometimes it can be hard to dig your way out of it. So, um, I'm sure they'll be scratching their heads, England. But, but the, the scary thing is, you know, there's obviously a great rivalry with Australia. And, and no matter where the two teams are on the table, I, I know England will be right up for this game. And, and I know that they would love nothing more <laughs> than to, than to win, win against Australia, just to sort of derail Australia's uh, plans and, and efforts to get to the semi-final. So it's going to be a fascinating match. And, um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I said, it's, it's must must-watch viewing, I reckon. It's been Mike Hussey, Fox Sports cricket commentator, of course, Australian cricket legend. Uh, Joe Root's comments overnight have certainly raised some eyebrows over here. Man for man, I'd have this team over the Australians. What do you make of those comments? <laughs> there seems to be a lot of barbs going back and forth mm. between uh, the, the, the two countries um, ever since the Ashes, really. Um, well, I guess he kind of has to say that, really. You know, like you mm. can't say, oh, no, I'd prefer to be in the Australian yeah, camp, you know, being an Englishman. And, and an Aussie's not going to say, oh, no, I, I think England have got a better team than us. They're not going to say that, you know. So I, I guess it's, it's like Glenn McGrath saying, I don't go out to lose any test match. I, I, so I think we're going to win 5-0. You know, it, it's, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. You, you know, that, they'll be doing everything they can to try and build each other up get each other in a positive frame of mind, try and have some sort of an impact at the back end of this tournament and um, show a bit of loyalty and a bit of faith in each other. And, and so that's all I read into the comments. I don't, I don't read it as him having a crack at Australia or anything like that at all. A lot of analysis on what's gone wrong for England, but is it simply the fact that no hussy, no England? <laughs> well, I think we should run with that, definitely. Um, no no, you call, know, no uh, calls from I, I, Stokesy I or Matty Mott haven't given only... you a call? <laughs> There's definitely a correlation there. No, I, I, I can't. I can't sort of uh, subscribe to that. And and look, even when England won the World Cup here in Australia, I, I played a very small role in all that as well. So um, no, I, I don't think we should probably uh, get that narrative out there. But I'd be I'd be happy with it if it was true. But it's not. <laughs> don't mind it at all. Now India look awesome. They destroyed Sri Lanka last night. Uh, unbeaten home conditions in form. Would it be a a major surprise if they don't go on and win the tournament? Well, I think it'd be a surprise. Yeah, they, they look like the number one team for, for sure. And, and I think for me, <clears throat> the, the question mark for me coming in was, could they handle the home home pressure, playing in front of their home fans? And that, you know, their squad looks amazing. You know, they've got all bases covered. They, they, they're playing with confidence. But could they handle that extra pressure? And they look like they are absolutely loving it. You know, like watching last night when... They looked like they were going to get a wicket every single ball at the start of that Sri Lankan innings. The crowd was just making so much noise. They looked like they were having so much fun out there. And, and I think that's an ominous sign for the rest of the competition. So, but, but you can't say, you know, that they're going to be runaway winners because it's a World Cup and there's a lot of good teams out there. You know, and on any given day, anyone can beat anyone. You know, we saw that with the Netherlands knocking yep. off South Africa earlier on in the tournament. So they can be beaten. 
but they're going to have to have an off day and another team, hopefully it's Australia, can, can have a, um, you know, a, a day out and, and play at their best. Just looking ahead to the, the test summer, uh, Mike, it looks like Dave Warner's going to get his swan song against uh, Pakistan and then we're going to have to find a new opener. Who do you think would be in front in that race to replace David Warner right now? It's a good question. Uh, um, I, I've got a few names sort of swirling around my head and um, it'll be very interesting to see which way the selectors go. And I, I guess for me, the, the guys that have, uh, uh, I guess, been doing well, um, you know, you can't discount a Marcus Harris. He's got some experience there and he, he will, I know he hasn't probably grabbed his opportunity, but he's got that experience and he will get better as he gets older, you know, and gets a better knowledge of his own game. He, he, he still, I, I still think he's good enough to play, play at the level. Um, from my neck of the woods, Cameron Bancroft is someone who's obviously played, been through a lot, has been exceptional for Western Australia over the last couple of years. And, and then there's a Matt Renshaw that um, obviously played in the past as well, who's, who's a very fine player too. It might come down to what style of player the national selectors want. Like you, you think of David Warner and the way he plays, how aggressive he is and tries to put pressure on the balls and get Australia off to those fast starts. Do they go for a similar type of player to a Warner or do they just go for, okay, who, who do we think is the next best opening batsman in Australia and let's go for them. So I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. D- does it come from those three or do they just throw a, a spanner in the world or curveball and, and go for Maybe someone that they think, you know, could be a 10-year player in the future. Um, there's some decent youngsters coming through. Um, maybe like a Henry Hunt from South Australia. I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be fascinating to see which way the selectors go. Yeah, Cam Bancroft certainly made a good start to the Shield season. What about Alex Carey? He's lost his place in the, in the one-day team, dropped after the first game at the World Cup. His ashes were okay without being spectacular. Would he be a little bit worried about his place in the test team? Uh, it's a good question. I, I, I don't think so. I, I think white ball cricket is very different to test cricket. And uh, I, I think you can't really argue with his his performances in test cricket over the last couple of years. He's done a pretty good job behind the stumps. He's, he's definitely ha- uh, helped with some handy innings with the bat as well. Um, so I, I don't think so. Um, he'll obviously be hoping to get off to a good start, you know, this summer with, you know, with the red ball, um, just to sort of allay or, or keep keep the wolves at bay really because if you do if he drops a couple of catches and gets a couple of low scores early in the summer then certainly the the you know people will start uh, you know beat, beating the drums a little bit but um i don't think he should be concerned just at this stage um he's a he's a good player and he's a good person a good character to have around the group so um i think they'll persist with him to start with for sure just one more before i let you go mike on tomorrow night's game uh, between australia and england our pace bowlers whether it's been Start of the innings, or even at the death, as we saw the other night, have been a little bit inconsistent. Do you expect from ball one tomorrow, whether it's England's batting first or, or chasing, they're just going to go really hard at the Australians? I think they will. I think they'll want to come out and really make a statement in this game. You know, they've been so disappointing, and and knowing Josh Butler, I think when he gets sort of backed into a corner, he says, you know, his, his message to the team is like, well, if we're going to go down, let's go down playing our way and let's go down swinging. <laughs> so I'm expecting them to come out and, and um, yeah, try and throw a few punches early um, and, and sort of see where it gets and try and put Australia on the back foot right from the start. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Australia will be expecting that as well. And, and it's a tough place. You know, like if, if you get some flat wickets in India with fast outfields, mm. um, not, not the biggest grounds, 
you only have to miss by a couple of millimetres and the ball goes. You know, we've seen it. We've seen scores of around 400 consistently throughout this World Cup. Um, so it's pretty tough, pretty tough job being a fast bowler or any sort of bowler at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, we can't wait for the match tomorrow night. The rivalry between Australia and England has, has never been hotter, it feels, over the last 12 months. And uh, another chapter will be written tomorrow night. Thanks so much for your time. No worries, Jules. Have a great day, mate. You too, Mike. Mike Hussey there, Fox Cricket commentator. KO has every match of the Cricket World Cup. Watch the Cricket World Cup with no ads on KO. And that was our cricket update. Study business at Cricket Victoria, powered by RMIT. Welcome back to the show. The 2023 Melbourne Cup Carnival gets underway tomorrow, of course, at Flemington. It's Derby Day. The SEN track team will be at Flemington for all four days, and you'll be able to listen to every race right across the carnival. It's a busy time for everyone in racing but none more so than our next guest, the Victorian Racing Club CEO, Steve Rossich, who's uh, been good enough to take our call. G'day, Steve. Hello, Julian. How are you, mate? I'm nice very well. you on the eve of a carnival. It's, uh, it's been building right around the city, hasn't it? There's a lot of excitement in the air, and we can't wait for tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, we all ready to go. Everything in place. Rose is looking good and uh, ready to get going tomorrow. Look, uh, we've, we've been on course a lot this week as we've opened various elements of the course and, and done our promotional videos. And look, it looks magnificent. Uh, our nearly 20,000 roses are up and blooming. Hopefully they, they haven't uh, gone too early. They're as big as cabbages at the moment. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mick Ryan assures us, our, our head gardener, that uh, they'll be progressing as the week goes. So uh, it's looking absolutely magnificent. And we're anticipating huge crowds right across the floor. Super. Yeah, what are you? What is your expectations in terms of total numbers for the four days? Well, the expectations are to deliver what the Melbourne Cup Carnival does, which is exceptional racing and and more than that. It's really a major event and a lot's going on all on course. So it is the place to be. Uh, there'll be you know in the order of two hundred and fifty thousand plus across the four days, which you know nowadays with the way that we can configure the course and provide a lot more amenity for uh, general mission patron spot to, to sit and relax and enjoy the day and access to food and beverages. You can't get many more than 80 in. So we'll go close to that, um, particularly on Cup Day. And uh, we'll be in the 70s tomorrow on Penfold's Victoria Derby Day. Yeah, I remember back in the day, there was 130,000 there one uh, Derby Day. And then obviously it got scaled back to, you know, capped at 120. So you're saying there, there's been a lot of changes and you can't really get much more than 80. And what is absolute capacity? Do you know what it would be? Well, Julian, the way that um, we configure the course, it, it's not like a stadium where mm. people have a reserved seat, you know exactly what you're dealing with. One of the beauties of going to is you can wander around, you can take in different parts of the course. You're not restricted to a particular area. So we want to allow that uh, foot traffic flow. We want to allow that comfort. Um, it does depend on the configuration for the day. Um, but you know, just over the 80,000 mark is uh, about as many as we want to hold. Can we hold more? For sure. But mm. we want to provide an environment that people enjoy and are going to experience what is true Flemington. Speaking to Steve Rossage, Victorian Racing Club CEO. Melbourne Cup Day last year, unfortunately, the weather was horrible. It was like a, a footy day down in Geelong. It was freezing, as you've probably learnt here in Melbourne, looking at the forecast and looking at the radar is almost like a hobby for people. But uh, I'm sure you've been watching it really closely. But t- for the four days, it looks very, very good compared to some of the days last year. Well, we have been keeping a close eye on it, albeit our track manager, Liam O'Keefe, who's not just a track expert but a weather expert, 
and he convinces us each and every year to ignore the weather forecast <laughs> until five days out. Probably fair. So we've attempted to do that, and it is. It's looking promising. It'll be comfortable conditions at Flemington for all to enjoy. And uh, for all of you that have it, we can't wait to uh, showcase Flemington across the four days. If you don't, well, it's not too late. You can uh, secure your general mission ticket via Ticketmaster. Uh, the new dress code uh, with the long shorts or the shorts has been interesting. It's got an interesting reaction. Gay Waterhouse, for one, wasn't a, a massive fan, but sort of generally received. Uh, generally, how, how has it been received by, I guess, uh, your members in particular? Well, what you're referring to there, Julian, is, uh, is a member dress code. So yep. it's only applicable to the members in those member areas. So the beauty of Flemington, it caters for all. So across the front lawns and out in the park and in the various areas, um, you know, there's just a respectful dress code and there'll be anything and everything on display, uh, whether you choose to wear a suit and tie in that area or, uh, or some form of costume. So there'll be no doubt um, people dressed resplendent and particularly in black and white tomorrow. But in our VRC member area, it's a member dress code. You're always looking to adapt and adjust and add modernise. And um, it was uh, a decision which was considered to introduce dress shorts. I'm not sure they're going to be that well, uh, um, you know, acquitted across the course in our VRC members area. But for men and women, if you choose to wear a, a suit short with your suit, um, as long as it's at or around the knee, then you can get into those VRC member areas. If it's 30 degrees on Tuesday, are you going to bring the shorts out of the wardrobe? I think uh, I'll, I'll spare people that, and I look forward to <laughs> to wearing a morning suit, in fact, on uh, both Penfold's Victoria Derby Day and Lexus Melbourne Cup Day. Magnificent. Uh, just on tomorrow, it feels like every year in the build-up you hear um, you know, racing experts or even people in the racing game always talk about they'd like to see the Victoria Derby shortened from 2,500 metres back to 2,000. I'm assuming you hear that talk every year. Has it got merit, that argument? Look, I think there's um, a lot to say about tradition, in, particularly with these iconic races. And I happen to be at an event as we speak, Julian, and the great Chris Waller, who you know clearly is um, one of the most renowned and respected trainers going around, he was asked that very question. His direct answer was, keep it at the 2,500. So right. it's uh, an opinion business, um, and you always listen to opinions, but um, I think Chris Waller's quite correct. Does it... Irk you at all, re you know, racing New South Wales, putting on the Golden Eagle and putting on the big dance against our own carnival? Do you think that takes anything away from our carnival or it, it doesn't really affect it at all? Oh, Julian, I've said this many times um, since I've been lucky enough to come across from the AFL world into the racing world three and a half years ago that I would much rather competition in our sport than from outside the sport. So whilst it, you know, probably is not the most efficient way of doing it. Um, coming up against such an iconic day as, as um, Derby Day here in Melbourne um, and where we get, you know, significant crowds, uh, TV, interest, general public interest, the magazine, you know, amazing in the lead up to our carnival, then maybe there's other times you could do it. But uh, if it attracts people to horse racing and engages with the sport, you know, that's one thing for sure. Is that one of the big challenges always uh, for racing in Victoria and particularly across the carnival to attract that new audience, which it did so unbelievably about 25 years ago when the crowds just absolutely spiked? Is that a continual challenge? I think it's the opportunity and and we work really hard at it. Um, You know, our VRC membership, um, as a case in point, 
is at record levels, never been higher in the whole history of the club since 1861. And uh, a new young member category, which is where a lot of the growth is coming from. Uh, when you go to a normal race day, whether it's in the spring, the autumn, elsewhere of the year, it's, it's littered with young people really enjoying the environment, whether in the members area or in the general area. And you'll see that across the carnival. It's, um, it's an environment on these four days of Group 1 racing where not only is the action on the track, on the track attractive to a broad audience, but the action off the track is, is, is really um, enticing, particularly for young people who've got a new opportunity, new precinct this year called the Palooza, which is absolutely targeted at sort of 18 to 30-year-olds. You'll have something like 12,000 young people experiencing that precinct across the four days. It'll be a great environment. So it's an opportunity, and we think um, there'll be lots for the younger cohort, all cohorts that are across our four days, food, fashion, entertainment, fun, and great racing. Uh, Channel 10 finishes up as the TV broadcaster this year, Steve. Has a new broadcast deal beyond this year been finalised, or is there, are you still in negotiation? I think being finalised is a good way to put it. So these things take time, particularly we're looking at something which is quite innovative and never been done before anywhere in the world. So we're working through that in a systematic way, and I think the focus will be on our four days that are upon us, uh, the broadcast on Network 10, uh, all sorts of mediums, and then we'll uh, get down to that business straight after the, the carnival. What do you like at backing winners? Um, we all have a go. It's one of the great times of the year. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm obviously a, a regular punter, engaged with the sport, and, and love it to its core. And uh, I'll have a flutter, but I, I put my bets on before the day. So my day starts quite early <laughs> on these four days at Flemington. So they're on at about and done and dusted by about 7.30am. So I'm not sure that's the best formula for punting, but I'm looking forward to having a flood across the four days. I'm, I'm sitting next to, uh, at this lunch I'm at the, mo- at the moment, with uh, some of the owners of Vorban. So uh, I think they're feeling pretty chipper. So we'll see how, how that uh, favourite goes in the Lexus Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. I might have a sneaky, sneaky bet on that one. Yeah, plenty of hype around Vorban. Is that one of the great things about this year's Melbourne Cup? There's a lot of good stories around this race, whether it's some of the internationals, you know, and then you've got Gold Trip going. For two in a row, you've got you know some of the big name AFL footballers involved in Sulcum. Is it is that one of the more enjoyable things? There is a lot of different stories, and uh, probably whoever wins the race, there's going to be an interesting story behind it. Julian, you're spot on. I mean, this sport generates a lot of content, a lot of news, a lot of great stories, and yeah, you know, the Lexus Melbourne Cup in particular changes lives. When you think about Michelle Payne, you think about Mark Zara, who I was chatting to last night, Chris Waller who is just, as we said, renowned trainer, talks about the moment he won the Cup and how he felt different. Um, so that's the great thing about our sport, and it's accessible. People are taking you know, interest in horses at a, at a small level, um, and sometimes the best horses are not necessarily the most expensive. So um, you know, that's the great thing about the sport. It's, it's really accessible to so many people, and there'll be huge stories across these uh, next four days. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, Steve, as we said, the weather forecast looks very, very kind, which is uh, outstanding. We can't wait for Derby Day and uh, the four days of the Carnival. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. My pleasure, Julian. Look forward to seeing as many as your listeners as possible tuning into SEN Track at Flemington. Yep, they will be flocking, no doubt, on course. Steve Rossage, Victorian Racing Club CEO. You know the jingle? It's time for Lost in the Wash for rjsanderson.com.au.
RJ Sanderson and Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. Out of tax. Uh, fair to say, some good points off the 40 wings, Ted, but probably lost in the wash a little bit about, and we're not all talking about Australia versus England tomorrow night, but there's a couple of huge games at the World Cup across the weekend. Also tomorrow, this game in terms of the table is pivotal. New Zealand fourth v Pakistan fifth are the Kiwis after a lightning start to the World Cup of Really got the reverse beepers on at the moment. They need a win. Otherwise, Pakistan are breathing right down their neck. And then you've got India v South Africa as well. So we'll all be watching Australia v England. But there's two other really important games uh, in this World Cup coming up. Uh, a bit going on in the US, NBA, NFL. If you don't want to know the scores. In the NFL today, Thursday night football, and the Steelers uh, have run off with a four-point win over the Tennessee Titans. So seven nil uh, in the final term. Cut off abruptly uh, to the Steelers. Have seen them beat the Titans. They get a four-three on the season. Uh, the Titans slip to three and four in the NBA at the moment. The San Antonio Spurs and the Phoenix Suns both have split their opening four matches two. Two at the moment, the Spurs lead by 21 points halfway through the third turn. The big man in 21 minutes, Victor Wembayama, 20 points, six rebounds, and two assists, and an incredible dunk before. Uh, he is just worth the price of admission alone. Uh, in a couple of the other games today, the Pelicans defeated the Pistons by nine, and the Magic lead the Jazz uh, by five points uh, deep. In that one, that was lost in the wash for RJ Sanderson.com.au. Take the stress out of tax. It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Sportsmart's mega giant shoe sale. 25% off all full price shoes. Shop online at sportsmart.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. I think we've had a more popular jingle here at SCN, and uh, Mitch Scott's happy to tell everyone he found it. And uh, congratulations to Mitch. It's an absolute ripper. We're doing the Saints today, upside, downside. Callers have lined up. We've got prizes to give away, $50 e-gift card, redeemable online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things, and a Signet Boost Power Bank. Found at $44.95, a Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds Powered 24-7. Let's get to Daniel in South Caulfield. Let's talk about the Saints. Daniel. Hey, Jules. Love your work. Uh, any chance he could uh, rename the program Julian's World? Um, We're pushing for uh, it. <laughs> fair enough. Um, as you know, I love my Saints. Um, upside is the youngsters coming yep. through. I don't reckon there's been a group of youngsters since, you know, Nick Rewalt, Justin Kaczynski, Nick Del Santo. Um, you know, with with guys like Windhager, Owens, Wanganin, Malera. Now we've got Liam Henry. Um, even, you know, Max King and, and Rowan Marshall aren't, aren't exactly old. Um, I reckon there's a lot to look forward to. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, use our two first-round picks uh, smartly and uh, continue the growth of the youngsters. I'm really looking forward to the next few years. So finals next year? 
Well, look, I mean, expectations were pretty low um, this season, so we, we exceeded those. I guess I would be disappointed if we didn't make the finals next year. Um, but, you know, as a St Kilda supporter, um, <laughs> it's a bit hard to, to have any sort of expectations, really. Awesome, Daniel. Thanks for your call and getting us uh, underway. Uh, Aaron from Sky wants to talk about the Saints. Hello, Aaron. Good, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm not... Too bad. We got 156 days till round one, so we're getting there. Not that you're counting. No, no, not at all. I think well, the mock, the mock round one, six out of playing Brisbane and the Gabba. So I'm uh, looking more excited for 164 days time, but we'll see how we go. Um, just on the on the Saints, I think our upside is. I think we're starting to get a good balance of youth and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids coming through. I think Cooper Sharman. I think next year's a could be a breakout year for him in, in the forward line. Uh, another pre-season into, say, Philippu, Owens, Windhager, these guys. Um, Paddy Down, Liam Henry into the midfield. A bit, of, a bit of speed, a little bit of pace, which I feel like we lack a touch. Sinclair um, possibly slotting in there at times as well. The downside, however, I think, really hope that the boys spend the off-season cleaning up their disposal efficiency. Yep. Especially yep. inside... I feel like this year was really disjointed. If we can clean that up and get some organisation inside 50 with Sharman, Marshall down there at times and King and the like, I think we can be quite potent. But that was, I think, a real killer for us this year, was that disposal efficiency forward and centre. Aaron, you are a big Saints man. Have you bumped into Ross Lyon at all lately? (laughs) I think Ross is... I think he's overseas, isn't he? Checked out a few... um, a few, uh, a few teams to get some ideas. I, I don't know if, he, if he's around. If I bump into him, I'll tell him to give you guys a call. That'd be awesome. Now we love it when Ross uh, rings in throughout the season. Thank you, Aaron. Fifty dollars e gift card redeemable online or in store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one stop shop for all things golf. Uh, before we get to Dave in Mernda, speaking of golf, David King was down there, the Callaway ambassador himself, uh, with Sammy Hargraves uh, earlier in the show, and we asked him about the Saints. This was his thoughts on them ahead of season twenty twenty four. I just want to see how how far or what the ceiling is for Matthias Filippo. Oh, I think he could be mm. a Marcus Bontempelli type that could just throw the club on his back at some stage down the path. It's probably not going to be 2024 holeless bowlers, but if he can just do it for a game or two and just show us little snippets uh, that he is the player that, that I believe he is, and many do. Uh, and, and the good judges in Gilda are so excited by what he's he's about to bring to that football club. And then just growth. I think the Saints have got a lot of growth in terms of Windhager. I'm a massive uh, Mitch Owens fan. So where, where do they go with those young players, I think, is, is, all the, is all the rage. They need someone to jump out from just being a, a good average AFL player to being a top-line, come-with-me type. So a lot of positivity there from Kingy. I wonder if David in Mernda shares that. G'day, Dave. Yeah, g'day, Jules. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Uh, look, I reckon I've got a bit different thing. Um, you can probably see that we, we were actually lacking um, a, a bit of leadership and experience, such as um, we had Jack Steele out, his injury. He just didn't get back to his uh, all-Australian form. Yeah, so I, agree I think we've got some guys like that. Um, they can just elevate themselves. Uh, you've also got Sinclair. Just elevate to a new level. And obviously those young ones just coming forward as well. But I think the uh, main thing is that the boys have been in that, that system of Ross Lyons now for, for a year. And I think a new full pre-season under Ross will obviously set a complete new standards again than what we've seen last year. 
Good call, Dave. Uh, you've won a Signet Boost Power Bank valued at forty four ninety five. The Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty four seven. Spot on about Jackson. Twenty four hours a day. Thank you. Uh, Ninth in the best and fairest. Probably played his best game of the year in his last game of the year in the final. He was fantastic in that final against the Giants. If you look at the games they got into kids last year. So Philippou, Wanganin, Miller have played 24. Owens, 23. Winhagen, 19. Caminiti, 18. And Sharman, 16. And uh, between them, Membry and King played 18 games between them. King, 11. Membry, 7. Zach Jones, who got the new contract, is he still in the best 22, 23? Not sure. Only played four games. And Jack Hayes, who looked good the year before, played one game. So they did have some problems uh, with availability. Uh, just a couple off the 40 wings temper. One here. Would love to see Jack Hayes in for all games at the Saints. St Kilda next year, huge opportunities. Uh, number one, few injuries to key players. All the teenagers have completed their first major years. Liam Henry and Paddy Dow coming in. The kids that played with Sandringham this year. And Max King, enough said, says Stephen from Moorabbin. If they got a quality back to support Cal Wilkie, and they got enough backup in those key positions, whether it's a backup ruck, Tommy Campbell's there as well, but they've got, you know, Rowan Marshall is their backup, good enough backup if he suffers his injury. Same as key forward, uh, key defence. I think that's probably a question uh, for the Saints. And uh, playing the Cats round one down at Cadinia Park by the sound, of, that's tough. That's a downside. That's pretty tough in front of their new uh, shiny stadium playing the Cats uh, first up. But uh, as I said, I think a lot of people will think St Kilda will slide. But uh, listening to the callers there, the Saints fans, they're pretty um, positive. Uh, one saying, not a big fan of Sharman. I don't mind Cooper Sharman. Hoping Dow and Henry uh, prove to be guns. So thanks for all your calls, uh, Saints fans.